When we started to talk about this series, the word that kept circulating through my head over and over again was the word hospitality. Hospitality, hospitality, hospitality. And for those of you who know me well, that might not surprise you very much at all. And for those of you who are just getting to know me and have still already been in my house, you know, there's some of you out there, you might see this more and more as you get to know me. But that act of hospitality has become an incredibly important part of our lives and become a practice of hospitality, which I think became meaningful in creating this space. So, history lesson on us. In 2011, we got involved in a new church idea of planting house churches in our neighborhoods and, and those churches being close supporting networks for the people involved and reaching out to the neighborhoods that they're in and then also worshiping together as a whole. And I don't want to get into the whole history of that church and the whole details of everything. But suffice to say that our home became a bit of a thing for a little while there. So we had actual like corporate worship services happening in our house on a regular basis. And again, for those who have been in our house, you might be thinking, where do you do a worship service in your house? I've been there, there's not much space. Well, you know, we made it work. And so that was a big part of how we showed hospitality in that church, is actually having this experience in our dining room slash living room slash entranceway. It's good times, you find a way. But also we're hosting a house church that we're involved with in our house. First, the first one, and then one of others. And we did that every week, so we have the corporate worship service, plus the house church that we're hosting every week, plus, you know, meetings. And so that's a lot, right? It's a lot going on in someone's house. So on top of that, we decide to have the of that, and we decide we're going to reach out to the neighborhood. Part of what we're doing is we're going to have monthly potlucks at our house. So the third Friday of every month is going to be anyone can come. I mean, this is a blanket invitation to the entire central Frederick neighborhood, right? You want to come, just bring whatever you want, and the only rule is no peanuts because I don't want to die. So just blanket invitation, come on over. Sometimes we would have eight people come, and that was great. Sometimes we would have 35 to 40 people come, and you know, you, you figure it out. You do what you need to do. Sometimes we know everyone who's there. Sometimes not so much. And that act of practicing hospitality became an important part of our lives as we move forward. So as you can see, the potluck once a month, and, and, and the corporate meeting, and the uh, house church meeting, and all the other stuff that's going on, that's a lot, right? It's a lot. So on top of that, we decide to up the a little bit. And on Tuesdays, we start to have what we call Open Tuesday. So every Tuesday, come and we will feed you. This is not open in the entire neighborhood of the Central Frederick. This is more directly invited to people that we knew who could be directly blessed by having a free meal once a week. Something important happening in their lives. And this went on every week for a while. So you got the church services, right? The church services. And then you got the Friday potlucks, you got the house churches, you got the Tuesday meetings. And uh, that's a lot, right? Anyone feeling anxious with me? I'm like, oh, that's a lot going on. Uh, you're, yeah, you're feeling it. So on top of that, we're doing involved in some reach out to the downtown, doing meals at the Rainbow Community Center and 
some other basic things going on, like I fill my pocket with a bunch of grocery store gift cards, head to downtown and just talk to people and hand them out, something basic like that. So we got to know several people experiencing homelessness in the downtown, which did lead to multiple occasions where last minute there's someone experiencing homelessness staying in our house for a night or two so they have a safe place to be. I don't know if you've ever posted last minute someone experiencing homelessness in your home. It turns out there can be some challenges with that. It could be a little challenging. I mean, as it could be with anybody coming into your home last minute, and some of the challenges are specific to the people that we had there, but yeah, it could be a whole thing. So that plus meals plus potlucks plus church meetings plus house church. Are you feeling it again? Because <laughs> you might be hearing everything that I'm bringing up right now, and you're thinking, that's ridiculous. And I'm totally on board. And there was a moment in about 2020, I think, when something happened. And all of a sudden, we weren't allowed to have anybody in our house anymore. You know what I'm talking about? And we were like, ah, that's nice. <laughs> and then the reality of COVID eventually set in. But I totally understand meaning of seasons and boundaries when it comes to showing hospitality. But I'm giving you all this because Annie, she was involved in most of those things. And when she shows up at our doorstep to say, I just end up here, it was because we had put in the years of an intentional and absolute practice of hospitality and opening up our home and making it a place of peace for her. And if I can toot my own horn just a little bit and be a little bold about it, like, yeah, it worked. We were that place of peace for her when she needed it, and she was that person of peace, meaningful for us in our lives as well. And to really give you the real meaning behind this, I have to make something clear, because after giving you that big list, you might be making an assumption about me and my wife. I want to say this clearly. We are not extroverts, right? That is not us doing this whole thing. No, no. Sit at home, watching TV for the night, by ourselves. That's my perfect night. That's what I want to do. The absolute idea of doing these things was a decision for us. It was something that we decided very specifically, we want to do these things and make them a part of our lives so that we could do it. And that's why I talk about yeah, the spiritual practice of hospitality. I like the word practice. Have you ever heard of the, the phrase spiritual disciplines? Yeah, you know this one? I don't like that, because when you fail at a discipline, then you just fail. <laughs> right? And you just failed that discipline. When you fail at a practice, that doesn't matter. It's practice. That's what you're supposed to do. We're getting into a practice. And that's what I want us to start to think about. As a church, as we start to talk about neighbors groups, we're going into a practice together. We're deciding to go through a journey together where we can fail, where we can figure it out. And as a community, we can drive into this thing and we can say, yeah, it's not perfect, it's not great, that's okay, because it's a practice. I remember the very first uh, house church meeting we had at our home. Uh, our plan was to have communion and pray. Very simple, right? Can't fail. <laughs> so we're just standing around joking and talking and 
catching up on the day, and the smoke detector goes off. Because the communion bread that we had decided to make ourselves was overdone. I don't know. We go in, rip it out of the oven, figure out that it put yeast in. So what we've got is this, like, pancake-shaped blob about the consistency of five-year-old fruitcake. So, you know, concrete. Bring that into the living room. That's fine. It's, you know, make a joke about it. It's hot, so my wife turns the fan on the ceiling fan, which I, I hadn't been turned on. I'm going to say ever. It had never been turned on. So the ancient dust gets thrown off in the room, spinning around, going around like a blizzard around everybody. We're like, hey. Then he broke the bread with a jackhammer. Failing is fun because it's practice. And that's what I want us to get into. It's an act of hospitality, an act of practice together that embraces the failure, embraces the things that can go wrong, because we're going to work this out together. And that's what I think this neighborhood's group series, neighbors group series, is all about. So that being said, I want to get started on this. And I'm fully aware that I just said, let's get started after like 10, 15 minutes of being on the already. But I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 12, Seven. Now to each one of them, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I should have maybe just memorized that. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, if you're familiar with 1 Corinthians 12, you know that it goes on. And I'm fully willing to speak with anyone afterwards to show you that, yeah, I think the whole chapter is about this idea. But this gives you it's one of my absolute favorite descriptions of this one consistent idea through Scripture, that God makes a place in us. As individuals and as a community, He comes into us and He is there with us. You think about it, um, all the way back to Genesis, when God creates humans and He breathes His breath into these people and physically brings His Spirit, the Word, Ruach there, my favorite Hebrew word, it's a fun one, Ruach. That breath, spirit of God goes in, and when that enters human beings, that's when we become fully people. This idea of God being in us and fully in us. Paul, <clears throat> in another passage, talks about how we are a temple dedicated to God. And that idea of a temple in our modern day brings doesn't immediately go to the ancient idea of a temple, which was to say, that's where God is. Like, we think about God as being everywhere and in everything. They thought of God as in the temple. And Paul says, you are the temple, right? God is in us. He is a part of us. Even communion, you take the bread, you take the juice, or the cracker and the wine, or whatever you're using, it doesn't matter because you say, this is his body, this is his blood and we consume them together. And yeah, it sounds weird. It sounds weird when you say it out loud like that. But we bring Christ in, and he becomes a part of who we are in us and in our lives. And you can see where this, I hope you can see where this is going in terms of hospitality. We show hospitality to the divine in ourselves. We become that place where God comes and rests, and we show hospitality to the divine. 
And that's how important hospitality is. It's not this like one thing you talk about on one Sunday. It's the basic practicing of how we interact with God completely. We give host to God. He comes and lives in us. And if we host God in and of ourselves, how can we not show it to each other? That becomes a basic, absolute calling. There's a couple of important things with that. First of all, it means that in me, the best thing that I have to give any of you is God from me. Right? Like, anything about me is not as good as that thing that I could give. Which is a humbling idea, right? That the best thing that I can give is not actually myself. But on the other side of that coin is the basic idea that I am enough for the divine to find a place. And if I'm enough for God in me, then I'm enough for you. And you're enough for others. And you have enough to offer. And I think that that's an important idea, because I think that many people go through life thinking that they don't have enough to offer in terms of hospitality. Their house not being big enough, or not nice enough, or they, don't, they can't feed all these people because they don't have enough. You are enough. If you're enough for the divine, then you're enough for others. And hospitality is not what you can give people anyway. It's not an act of giving that up. It's an act of who you are in being peace to others and accepting peace and creating your space to be peace for other people. And this leads into the core passage this morning. I want in Luke 10, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place to where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send the workers into his harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among bulls. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. The man of peace is there. Your peace will rest on him. If not, he will return to you. Say in that house, eating and drinking, for whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of Sodom. Uh, the first time I got to speak here, the passage started with Jesus raining fire down from the world. And this one ends with that kind of thing. So yeah, it's not my fault. That's not really the way I want to start talking about this particular passage by asking you a question. Who do you identify with in this story? Right? Do you identify with Jesus? That seems problematic, right? You know, you're the guy, you're, you're like... You're like God incarnate in human form, giving commands to people. You know, we like that idea of being the one who sends people out and then just accepts their reports when they come back. But I'm not Jesus and you're not Jesus. You probably shouldn't think for Jesus. So who do you identify with in this story? Is it the 72? Are you one of the, uh, the absolute chosen few of God given the miraculous power to bring judgment down on whole towns? 
Is that you? I mean, get by my tone, that may, maybe not. Like, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying we often go there without giving it a whole lot of thought, and it seems to me like the kind of thing we should probably give at least a little bit of thought. So, so who do you identify with in this story? Like, the, the divinity in human form giving the commands, or the miracle giving ones who judge massive people? Like, like, who are you? And of course, there's another option that we almost always miss that is so important here. It's so important here. Be simple verses in 5 and 6 say, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man, I change that to person, if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. So I'm giving a simple suggestion. Maybe the calling in this isn't for us to be Jesus. And maybe it's not to be the miracle-making 72. Maybe the calling in this passage is to simply hear peace on this house and us to say, yes. That's it. It's not a simple thing, but it's a much easier thing. It's for us to just hear peace be on this place and for us to go, yeah. That's not so bad, right? We can do that. That's, that, that's easy. That's not so bad. What if the calling is simply to hear peace and accept it and respond? And I think that's what hospitality is. It's being a place of peace in someone's life, accepting the peace they bring, and being sure that you give it to them. So where do we go with this? Right? What, what does this mean when we're talking about neighbors groups? Right? Because I'm not going to come up here and tell you all the steps about how hospitality is going to make neighbors groups amazing. And I'm going to tell you exactly how we're going to do that. Because like, I genuinely don't think that's why I was invited up here. Unless you want me to do that. <laughs> slightly shaking your head, though. Right? We're not supposed to do that. That's not what's going to happen. I really believe that this is a discussion we need to have, that this is a, a journey we need to go through together to make it our own. I'm not going to tell you how this is going to work, but this is something that I know for sure. Whatever we do when it comes to neighbors groups, whatever it looks like, whatever its form it's taking, hospitality has to be a part. Because if we can't say, peace on this place, and accept it, what could we possibly be doing that's meaningful? Hospitality has to be at the core what it could be. And from here we can go a million different ways because there's you know that problem where this is a sermon, not a series on hospitality. We can't hit all the phrases there. You know, we could talk about uh, COVID anxiety, the stress and, and the true fears of what COVID may be, and how that impacts hospitality and how it looks. That would be an important discussion to have. Um, we could talk about how hospitality can't possibly be done alone. Well, one of the great things about the potlucks and the dinners and house churches and everything like that was when people would come alongside us, people who didn't live in our home were performing hospitality in our home with us. And we could do a whole thing on that. But I think that the big message for today is simple, that hospitality is one, a practice. 
one in which we can fail at over and over and keep learning from. And secondly, that's an act of accepting and inviting peace into ourselves. And those two things work together. But there's one more thing I want to bring up. I just start that with a story. Years ago, I, uh, when I was a much younger man, I used to teach swimming lessons. And still to this day, one of my absolute favorite jobs of all time. It's just good. I teach everyone from like the little kids who are just learning for the first time, up to like the old retirees who are just learning for the first time, up to the like lifeguard life-saving courses. Like, I, I, I did all that. And my favorite is the little kids, the three to six-year-olds. And the reason is because I think you're just an absolute idiot. And like they love it. <laughs> They're just laughing and giggling, and I can be a silly idiot, and it's just me doing a good job because they love me being a silly idiot. And my favorite thing, my specialty, is getting these kids to put their head under the water for the first time. Who here has put their head under water on purpose? Yeah, yeah. The people who are nervous and not putting up their hands, the ones that, you know, don't want to it. You did that, and now maybe you enjoy the water. If you didn't do that, you wouldn't. And that's because it's incredibly natural for a human being to get their head under the water and lose it. That's not a state we're supposed to be in. But once you do it that first time, then you can enjoy this whole new thing in life that's now available to you. So getting these kids to put their head in for the very first time is extremely satisfying. I got so good at it that I could recognize the look. The look that they make right before they do it that first time. It's something like this. Right? <laughs> it's that look that says, I have a bad feeling about this. But I'm going to do it anyway. And then they do it, and they come up proud of themselves, and they have this whole new thing open to them in the world. And so my last little idea to you today is to try to embrace the discomfort. Just a little bit. And one of the greatest lessons we learned in our journey of hospitality was the idea of boundaries and being clear that we have to, you know, sometimes be clear about this thing and this can't happen and having our own time. The idea of boundaries can be so important. But the other side of that coin is the idea of nothing's going to happen unless we embrace a little bit of discomfort. And for you, for you, uh, embracing a little bit of discomfort may be inviting a friend for tea for one hour, one time. God bless you. You know, maybe your idea of embracing just a little bit of discomfort in your life is renovating your house and working with the city to turn your home to a porch. I don't know. God bless you. That's not the point. The point is, growth never happens without just that little bit of embracing discomfort. So we're going to move into the room soon. I have no idea how much time I have left or, or anything like that. Um, for discussion of tables or the hallway or whatever it is you have going on after this. And my prayer is that we remember this calling to practice peace throughout our lives.
a very short and old, but I think appropriate benediction. Go in peace. Thank you.